0: The question that I may have asked myself is why is it so important to be like this other pastor's wife? Why am I comparing myself to her? Who am I trying to please? What are the expectations that I'm trying to meet? Trying to get really clear, you know, as a young 20 something year old, you know, I think I lacked a lot of confidence too into just being who I am. And instead of trying to, Please, everybody, you know, you can't be all things to all people, and sometimes when we try too hard, we kind of lose our sense of identity.
1: Welcome, friends, to this episode of the Overflowing Life Podcast, where we navigate the crossroads of modern leadership, authentic living, and the redemptive power of business. I'm your host, Chris Lagarde. Every single person is created uniquely. There never has been and there never will be anybody exactly like you this means we have a responsibility to bring that gift of who we are to the world around us. And in order to do that, we must constantly seek clarity on what that unique identity is. Today, that's what we're going to discuss. Hello, hello. Welcome to another conversation around the overflowing life for business leaders and entrepreneurs. We're here to talk about identity today and what we're tackling this season is hey there's a problem right we have a problem in in the working world as business owners and leaders and the problem is our souls are being sucked away by hurry by digital distraction by uh this thing i recently i saw an uh, article recently called uh talked about workism which is like looking to actually this is very appropriate looking to work and your career to define your identity and how that is dangerous Now the article actually, I don't think it had very good answers to that. To be honest with you, and I think we're going to get into a little bit more about identity today for sure. But uh, that's what we're tackling, and today we're going to talk about identity. And Adrian, uh, I'd love to hear real quick um, from you before you and I started talking about this topic. If somebody brought up identity, what what did you think about that? Like, what comes to your mind?
0: I think identity is very personal. I believe that we all can evolve with our identity I think about my own identity and the different roles that I play and even as I've reached midlife this year how, how my identity has shifted over the years too so when people talk about identity it's a, a really important construct to understanding who are you and how do you show up in the world and how do you want to show up in the world mm.
1: I've heard midlife referred to it being like you're back in middle school.
0: Interesting.
1: I kind of feel that way. (laughs) A little, in a little, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, tell me more about that. Like, you know, in middle school, I think I shared this in one of the previous episodes. Like I went through some identity crises. I, I went from like, you know, kind of a nerd to, um, like kind of preppy, and then landed on skater, where I still am now. Those of you watching the videos, I have gauged earrings and whatever, and so still listen to punk rock music uh, on the daily. And uh, you know, it was like okay, and it's kind of like that now. I'm, uh, not that I'm completely redefining my identity, I'm more refining it, and that's part of what I'll share tonight is the uh, today the, uh, co- the the process that I've been through. But yeah, it's kind of interesting how. Life goes in circles or not circles, but cycles where I, I feel like we, we kind of operate, at least for me, I've operated in these identities and then it's been further refined, further refined, further refined for me anyway. How about you?
0: When we were preparing for this, I was actually thinking about how identity shows up, how we try on different identities based on our circumstances. And I have one child who is in middle school and one in high school and the journey that I have observed for them Yeah, just what you said. It's They are trying to figure out who are they in context of their social circle? How are they going to show up? How are they going to be a friend? How are they going to be a sibling? So as they explore their identity in middle school and high school, I really can relate to that actually in midlife of who am I now as I'm going through several life transitions and identifying the parts of me that truly are kind of evergreen about my identity, but as you said, refining it too.
1: Mm. Yeah. And as leaders, business owners, man, if we don't really know who we are and the components of our identity, that's you know going to really impact our business. I fully believe your business grows to the extent that you do. And I also believe that identity is not and self-awareness, which is our next episode, and they are different. They play with each other a little bit, but they're different. Uh, that identity and self-awareness are are ever evolving. They never stop. Right? You never arrive with those things. You're always learning more about who you are. And so let's jump into how it's generally defined. And so as, as I was preparing for this as an Enneagram 5, I love to dive deep and uh, appreciate my co-host's work in helping me like whittle away the Copious amounts of information I could lay on everybody. That's most people won't care about. But uh, in psychology today, I saw that they had uh, said identity includes the many relationships people cultivate, such as their identity as a child, as a friend, as a partner, as a parent. Right. So you've got identities in those roles. It involves external characteristics over which a person has little or no control, such as height, race, socioeconomic class. Identity also encompasses political opinions, moral attitudes, re- religious beliefs. All of which guide the choices one makes on a daily basis. And, you know, I think I would just simply define identity as the core essence of your being, the truest reflection of who you are rooted deeply in love and secure in your intrinsic worth and value. And actually, I have to credit Jamie Winship, who we're going to talk to uh, in an upcoming episode about identity. Uh, that would be, actually, I asked him, I was like, hey, how do you define identity? You're, you're kind of a guru to me on identity. And so, again, it's the core essence of your being, the truest reflection of who you are, rooted deeply in love and secure in your intrinsic worth and value. What would you add or change about that, Adrian?
0: It's nuanced. And there's a lot of onion layers there. And I think it usually takes people a lot of time to embrace their identity. A lot of times people, society tell us that we have to be a certain way or that we have to show up a certain way. We have to be more of this. We have to be less of that. And so there are a few people that I have met who really feel confident in their identity and are just unapologetic about how they show up and who they are. So I also think that exploring your identity, as you said, it's an ongoing process. It's kind of like climbing a mountain that we're never going to reach the top of. There's always more to, to dive deep into. So it's, it's definitely a, a process and a journey. And I think one has to be willing to embrace it and to look at both the the positive and the the less positive aspects if we really want to be healthy whole people and as leaders i think we, you want to be healthy whole people
1: yes well in the healthier wholer more integrated you are uh the better leader you will be which again, we're going to right. talk a lot about that in this episode and next episode. And look, I, it's my personal belief that we are all created uniquely, that we are, n- there's never been anybody like us in all space, time, and history. However, many people came before us, there's never been anybody like us. There will never be anybody like us after this. Even if they look exactly like us, their experiences, their perspectives are going to be different. And so, because of that, our identity is a filter through which we, I believe, we bring the gifts of who we are to the world around us. We each have a gift or many gifts to share with others uh, to make this place better. And if we're not clear on what that is, the world is missing out on that, especially as leaders. And, you know, look, nothing against politics, I suppose, but man, I just, it's not a, it, we clearly need. Leaders who know who they are to stand up in the political realm to say, you know, look, public opinion aside to a degree, this is like who I am, and here's how I want to see the world made better. And as leaders, we we better know our our uh, who we are. And so, when it comes to what is identity, I think about what is it not, right? So it it's it's we already kind of alluded to it. It is not what you do for work. And you know, when you meet people, what do you do? That's the first thing you ask. So, which makes you think like, okay, well, that is where my identity is tied to. And that will let you down for a lot of reasons, but it's not what you do for work, right?
0: Yeah. And when you are doing the same work or working at the same organization for so long, I think it's hard to untangle that because eventually you become what you do. And so, how do we once we have assumed that identity of, of being so intertwined with the work that we do, how do we really separate ourselves from that and explore who we are without that position or without that title or without that environment?
1: Mm. Well, and and I think it starts with an understanding that you are not what you do. You do what you are, right? So it's, it's, You know, you had said, uh, if I can repeat the words you said exactly, it was like, look, you know, you do a career so long, you do something so long, you start to become that. And I would suggest that, and, and this is a privileged statement, meaning most people around the world don't necessarily get to equate identity with career for the most part, right? And yet- for the people that are probably listening to this they probably are able to and as leaders the leaders that we're speaking to I want you to understand that hey part of you know your career is part of who you are but it's a part not the whole right so starting from the mindset that I I I am not what I do but I do what I am is a great place to say, okay, let me start to discover what I am and how what I do fits into that and that uh, untangling that kind of maybe tied up knot in a
0: little bit, right? Conscious uncoupling.
1: Yeah, that's a good term. That's
0: a good term. It's when also, if I may add, also when we know who we are as leaders and we know what our strengths and our talents and even our liabilities are, then we can step into those places of leadership. And it doesn't matter how long you've been there, whether you're new, whether you're a veteran, whether it's a, a new environment, a new team. If you're confident and you know what talents you bring as a leader, then you'll be more confident in who you are, no matter what the environment is.
1: Yeah. And and, and it's funny because this conversation is already kind of weaving in with self-awareness a lot. And, but again, they are different and we'll get to that in a second. Um, Also, I would suggest that your identity is not what tribe or team you quote unquote play for, right? I'm a Phillies fan, Philadelphia Eagles fan. Unfortunately, Phillies lost last night. They left a lot of points on the, on the playing field, but you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to cry over it, but right. And, And it comes down to who are you intrinsically? What are the experiences, the gifts, skills, talents that make you, you, like, how does that play into everything? And so, you know, it's also not just your personality. Right. It's not just your Enneagram type, especially Enneagram, because that's a transformational tool. It's not your strengths finder. It's not your disc or your Myers Briggs. Those are all, it's like a, those are shards of a broken mirror. Right. If you've ever seen, uh, we just finished Harry Potter for the umpteenth time. And I think it's in this, the last movie or the second to last movie where he's got this shard of glass and he keeps seeing a face in the mirror that's not his, but it's kind of like that. There's a bunch of shards of broken glass and each one of those personality assessments tell you a little bit more about who you are. So. Yeah,
0: they give you more clues. They give you more insight. They give you more understanding and more language. And when you take the composite of all those things, then you can really start to get a deep understanding of the things that make you tick, the things that trigger you, why you get out of bed in the morning. So those are all fantastic tools. But yes, I, I always want to make sure people know that those are just tools into understanding your identity and that as complex human beings, there's so much more to us than whatever the results of those assessments are.
1: Amen. I agree. So, actually, it might be helpful for you to for me to share with you all what my identity is. Now, identity is different than your purpose, right? It, it, identity is kind of like who who you are. It answers the question, "Who are you?" Purpose answers, "What are you going to do here?" As does mission. And so my identity, there's two two terms that I use for myself that I've worked on over years, decades to kind of hone it and discover it. And there's processes that I'll I'll share either here on the website about what were um, you know, what those processes were. But builder of constructs and teaching profit are those two terms. And simply put, as a builder of constructs and a teaching profit, I work with people to create plans that help them discover their true selves. I also as the teaching prophet simplify life's challenges into clear truths helping others find a more fulfilling life and so that's my identity like anything that doesn't match with that i, I it gives me that filter to to know hey that's not i'm not going to be doing that so you know that and that's different than a mission statement that i have which is to help people uh create uh uh create really uh implement and pass on the overflowing or abundant life and you can kind of see how those two play around with each other so
0: and that's so eloquently said chris how long or at what point in your life did you get to that point where you could so fluently describe your identity what types of processes did you have to go through to arrive there
1: Lots and lots of therapy um, <laughs> I'm kind of kidding, but not really uh, you know in my early twenties I, I was I hit clinical depression for a while uh, I really didn't it was an it was a lack of it was kind of an identity crisis there was some things that I felt were being worked out of me pulled out of me so I could be a more whole human being such as i'm not good enough and so I did go to therapy for that I went to counseling and then eventually um, I got involved with a, a men's ministry that Help me further refine it and define it i I went through sales training that kind of worked on that uh it it's kind of always it, for the last probably fifteen to eighteen years it's been in the back of my head. Who am I and why am I here? That's my four really coming out and it it I was always refining that and literally it's been. Like I said, it's been 15, 16 years, and the that recent iteration that I just read to you came through working with Jamie Winship and his company. Uh, I did a coaching uh, session with with him actually, and and I was struggling with trying to put into words who I believed I was, and he, and I told him my mission statement. He's like, "Well, that's a mission statement. That's not an identity." I'm like, "Oh, you're right. I guess so." And so I worked with him to kind of help uncover that. And and really, honestly, he just he asked. We did some visualization exercises. Uh, he asked me a bunch of really good questions and his identity is a untie of knots. So he untied the knot of my identity and did it very well. He also helped my wife with that in addition. So
0: that's beautiful. Does that help? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. It's not a like I said, it's not I prefer to say you said it was like a mountain you never reach the top of. I, I prefer to say it's like a, a gift that you keep unwrapping, right? Like a nesting Russian dolls or whatever, right? It's like to me that's that feels better. It's like, oh I'll never get to the top like of the mountain. Like Christmas morning every day. Right, right, exactly. I get to unwrap it a new layer every every day or an onion, but onions kind of make you cry and smell. So I'm not gonna go with that one. So <laughs> anything else you would add about uh, you know, what it is not.
0: Sometimes society gives us these labels or expects us to be a certain identity that we're not, and if we're not aware enough to question that or reject it, I think that it can become part of us and maybe even become a confusing part of us. So I had the identity of pastor's wife for about 14 years, and uh, I was pretty young when I was put into that role when my husband and I got married. and. After a while, I really realized that I didn't feel like a pastor's wife. I didn't feel like I was supposed, to, like I wasn't playing the role well enough. And after we left the church about five years ago, and I had some time to reflect on that and sort of untangle that, I realized that that was an identity that was expected of me that I was Post to fulfill. I was comparing myself to another pastor's wife who did the role wonderfully. I mean, she was created for that and I couldn't live up to that. And so that, that part of me of understanding who I am and who I am not, you know, I think sometimes we have to really think about what is, what are we being expected to be? Does that align with who we actually are? And if it's not, how are you going to process through that? And how are you really going to get to the root of who you are? when society is telling you to be something.
1: Sit tight for a special announcement. Hey, Empowered Leaders, this is your host, Chris Lagarde. Today, I've got something incredibly special for you. If you've been following our journey this season, you know we've explored the transformative path from feeling trapped and lost to discovering a life filled with abundance and excitement. And as you probably know, that is my personal journey over the last few years. It's been an enlightening journey, and I'm thrilled to share the next step with you. I'm launching an exclusive online facilitated experience called Empowering the Soul. This program is crafted to dive deeper into the breakout concepts we've covered this season. So, imagine a space where you're vividly empowered to reclaim your soul from the edges of burnout and confusion. A sanctuary where you can align your life with your most profound values and dreams, all within a community that supports each other and grows together. Your transformative journey begins this April, spanning nine sessions over three months. And here's the exciting part. As one of the select eight pioneers in this inaugural group, You will grab your chance to explore these life changing concepts more intimately and help shape this experience for future participants. The value packed into this course is over $2,500, covering everything from personalized coaching to exclusive resources. But for you, my podcast family, as a part of this initial group, I'm offering this for just $60 a session or a total of $500. Seize this opportunity now. Feel the growth, the alignment, and the fulfillment at a fraction of the cost. So, when you're ready to be one of these impactful eights, stepping into this journey with me, diving deep into reclaiming your life, simply email me at theoverflowinglifepodcast at gmail.com, all one word. Again, theoverflowinglifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can direct message me on Instagram at theoverflowinglife. Don't wait. Slots will fill up fast. There's only eight and I can't wait to embark on this journey with you. I'm in. Are you? Now back to the show. So if you could go back, not quite 20 years, but let's say 19 or 18 years and ask yourself some questions to kind of maybe help yourself realize hey i'm i'm wearing somebody else's clothes here uh, it's it's not really my true identity what questions might you ask yourself adrian or have asked yourself
0: well i think i would have started therapy earlier because i think therapists are really great at peeling back those layers and asking those questions You know, something that I always had struggled with and still struggle with are comparing myself to others. And so I think the question that I may have asked myself is, why is it so important to be like this other pastor's wife? Why am I comparing myself to her? Who am I trying to please? What are the expectations that I'm trying to meet? And so trying to get really clear, you know, as a young 20-something-year-old, old about what that role is. And, you know, I think I lacked a lot of confidence too, into just being who I am. And instead of trying to please everybody, you know, you can't be all things to all people. And sometimes when we try too hard, we kind of lose our sense of identity.
1: Mm. Yeah. You know, I think about the tension that we feel like when you compare yourself to somebody else, it definitely, for me, I feel inferior, right? There's this tension, this, these, these, negative emotions, uh, which when you say negative emotions, it's like, oh, I shouldn't have those emotions. And that's not really the right descriptor, but these like, these not, they just don't feel good. And they're, again, they're that, it's that dashboard on the car. It's the lights going off saying, you need to pay attention to this. And I, I, when I coach folks, pay attention to those, I ask them, pay attention to those feelings, those tensions. And what is that about? And, and really dive into that you know if you're living in an identity that's not yours, there's probably tension and stress and you know discord in there absolutely and pay attention to that
0: yeah, what is that internal dissonance that's occurring that uh, might give you some clues into to some struggles that you're trying to work out.
1: Yeah, and especially as, as leaders, knowing that unique identity, like we had just said, said earlier, is really important. In fact, there was an article by Dr. Bill Howitt in Forbes back in January of this year, 2023. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. That is all about your leadership identity matters, and you know he, he talks about how it deeply impacts your identity, deeply impacts your behavior, interpersonal skills, your emotional intelligence, attitudes, beliefs, and assumptions. And we'll we'll talk about a, a study done by GreenPeak Partners in collaboration with Cornell university next episode but you know identity involves self-awareness which is the one quality that was the strongest predictor of overall success in the study that they did so obviously identity plays a huge role as uh, in your success as a uh, as a leader and so you know when we i mentioned the idea of workism right the, the this thing that um, and I cannot remember I'll, I'll try to have to link to that in the show notes too I can't remember who wrote it but talking about work kind of being a religion instead of going to Sunday service so to speak or synagogue or mosque we're going to work and that's our community that's where we get our identity and in especially in a hurried digitally disconnected kind of world that we're in now it's really important to know what we are apart from that and it it kind of when we understand our identity apart from work it will guide us especially as i think these days and i haven't haven't seen a stat on this. I should probably look it up. But uh, I think people have two or three careers throughout their lives. It used to be they'd be in one company forever, but now we tend to reinvent ourselves. And with the uh, advent of AI coming and all that that's going to create, I'm sure it's going to uh, allow for more fluidity in our careers. And so if you don't know who you are, you, know, you may get into may choose jobs that don't really fit or or leadership roles that aren't the best for you. And so knowing it's going to help you know where to focus, like a filter, if you would.
0: Absolutely. And when you know who you are and what you need to thrive, then you can search for and advocate for good fit roles, good fit jobs, uh positions, tasks, whatever that looks like. But you have to know what it is that that aligns with what you bring to others, how you're going to show up as a team on a team. Um, but also what do you need to to thrive and and be fulfilled? And you have to be real clear about who you are in order to advocate for that.
1: Yeah. And I think it comes there's a couple other things that come with not dangers of not knowing your identity, which is, Hey, you you can get wrapped up in achievement and career and workaholism. Uh, and you know, chasing success tends to be elusive. It's, it's never quite enough. And yeah, I heard, a. uh, you know, I was at a convention recently and the speaker up front was talking about happiness versus hustle and how when you put hustle ahead of happy, you never get to happy versus if you choose happy first and then that defines your whole world, then your hustle can be great, but you always have happiness. And, and, and I equate that with success. It's like, look, you never get success is always more. You never quite get there versus when you have your identity, you can have that 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 peace hey here's who I am, and I'm doing what i'm supposed to do i'm I'm carrying out my mission if you will, and I get to filter everything through that and if you're not aware of your identity, you also have the possible you know the negative side of that is floating around and and escaping from pain because if you're not in your identity and you're, you don't know who you really are, what your gift skills, talents what you bring to the world. There's probably tension there. And if you're not addressing it, you could tend to just, all right, I need to ignore it. I need to just completely get away from it.
0: Well, and maybe you turn to behaviors that you wouldn't normally turn to, numbing out, figuring out a, a coping mechanism that isn't so healthy just because you're trying to avoid, as you said, avoid pain or avoid actually doing the deep hard work of understanding who you are at your core.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it also it's like kind of the opposite in in my journey. It, it my identity. I I, I kind of refined it by understanding what the opposite of it was. Meaning, who is my false self? I I even have a name for my false self, which I <laughs> I don't really want to say on the air. Um, but it's not a nice word, and it's like okay, I know when that guy shows up, I'm. Not in my identity. I'm shying away from the true work, and I'm like, okay, there. We talked about canaries before. That's a canary for me. When you know this blank isolation boy shows up, it's like, okay, I got to, I got to step into my true identity. And you know, naming that fault, I've had a few clients where it was helpful for them to name it. You know, negative Nancy or whatever. And it's like, okay, when that person shows up, you know that you're you're not operating in your essence or your true self. So
0: yeah, is there anything that triggers that for you?
1: Oh, well, luckily I've seen a lot of growth around that, but for me lately, but one thing was somebody saying, well, yeah, losing control and certainty was one, right? We talked about that last time and somebody saying, I need to talk to you without defining what they need to talk to me about. Cause I go to a bad place and I'm like, Oh, I want to withdraw, uh, lots of, um, how do I want to put this? Lots of unproductive people interaction, right? Like when I go to con- well, and not that when I go to conventions, it's unproductive. But like, man, I am being with crowds of people does not energize me. So that is, uh, I definitely am like, okay, I just got to watch my energy and make sure that I'm I'm taking time to kind of recharge. And if I don't, and I'm starting to burn out, uh, then i i lose I lose that that negative. Side of me, false self shows up.
0: Yeah, brings so. out the worst in you. Yeah. Something I want to, I just latched onto that you said real briefly was when somebody asks to talk to you without giving you context about it. I think that is probably universally true for humans because if we don't know what it's about, we automatically assume I'm in trouble. What did I do? Something bad is going to happen. So as a leader, this is just like, two cents of advice that I have learned as a leader is whenever I ask somebody, hey, can I talk to you tomorrow? Can I have 20 minutes? I always tell them why, because I don't want them to spiral. It incites fear in them. So just do your people a solid. And if you need to talk to them, just let them know why so they don't spiral.
1: Especially if you're the leader. Yeah. You're being called in the principal's office. Now, exactly. How much time are you going to need? It's, it's a rule that I instituted last year. If somebody asks to speak to me, how much time do you need and what's the subject or the agenda? Oh, I've got to know those two things and and don't lie to me because if you show up and we do something completely different, that's not going to be good. So a so, little
0: tangent from identity, but. Uh... No,
1: really good tip. I appreciate you sharing that. So w- let's talk about discovering identity, right? And, and you'd kind of asked me a little bit about that earlier, but I, it's a real, it's a personal journey, you know, discovering who you are. And it's not usually something that's ever finished. Again, it's like that present you, you always unwrap and there's a i think it it goes to some of the practices we talked about before you've got to create space for reflection and solitude silence stillness so that you have that time to reflect on you know how you are actually feeling what you thought about certain things what your emotions were about so it kind of starts with making sure you're leaving um you know, space for you to be aware of that and work on that. And listen, it's not also something you're going to just come up with like that. I had a good friend that would say, if you don't know your purpose or identity or your big why, that is your purpose is to discover it. I think is a great way to look at it. Right. Exactly. So Adrian, when you think about where else you might start, what other tools and things do you think, uh, have you found useful in figuring out who you are and and what makes you, you?
0: Yeah. Two things that come to mind. One is notice when you start to feel a little jealous, good-naturedly, or envious when you see somebody doing something, observing somebody, something that you wish you could be doing, because that might be a clue into understanding how am I wired? Why does that bring me joy? Why is it that I want to be doing what that person is doing? What is it about that? So to start to notice that, but then also to notice when you feel like you're in a state of flow doing something, what activities are you engrossed in where time just evaporates? It goes by so quickly because that can also be a clue into understanding what brings you joy, where are you naturally talented, where do your strengths lie, and also help you to kind of peel back some of those onion layers of understanding your identity.
1: Hmm. That's good. Pay, so and that's going to take awareness, right? Paying attention awareness, to that. Awareness, yeah, and time. Flow.
0: Yeah, you kind of mm-hmm. have to put on these these spidey senses on, right? to to notice when those things are happening too. Yeah.
1: I uh I really love assessments. And as I said before, assessments aren't the end all be all. The uh I heard Ian Cron- Ian Morgan Cron who's an Enneagram expert say one time that uh, you know all all typing systems are wrong but they're useful. And so the way I interpret that is like DISC, Myers-Briggs, uh StrengthsFinder and Enneagram are all they're useful, right? They're, don't you don't want to put yourself in a box, right? There was a, a assessment that the company I worked for before used, and it was called the AVA, and and people went around literally in the entire company at two hundred thousand people in the company would be like, well, they'd identify themselves by the four digit number that their AVA is, which they got rid of that just because people were putting themselves in a box and they created their own. And there's no way to do that. There's 11 traits and you can't, there's no numbers to refer to. And so, uh, you know, I think it swung a little too far over to not identifying because it is helpful to get some range. Like when you say, Hey, I'm a sub uh, Enneagram subtype, you know, one-to-one, if you know what that means, it's like, okay, I get the gist of you, you know, quicker than if I, you know, you sat down and shared for an hour. Right, But assessments are really a good tool to understand, like a disco ball, the various parts of you. There's Finder, DISC, uh, the Big Five, Myers-Briggs, um, and, and of course, Enneagram, which is the best tool. I think you and I would agree on this, that it is the best tool to create self-awareness and a growth path. Not just like, okay, well, I know my top five strengths are learner, analytical, self-assured developer, you know, responsibility. That's great but as an enneagram 5 subtype 1 to 1 with uh, you know a 4 and a 9 in my makeup that gives me really good clarity for growth and okay where am i where do i kind of where are my fixations where are the things that i lo- lean on too much and how do i be aware of that and grow out of that so you know those assessments can be very helpful to understanding parts of who you are
0: right and i would say too Think of it not as something that is labeling you or putting you in a box, but it's something to help you get out of the box, especially the Enneagram assessment, too, because it's actually kind of lifting the lid of the box that you may have inadvertently put yourself in because it provides so many different tools and different pathways with the wings and the lines, pathways to grow. So that way you actually move into higher levels of integration to become a healthier, wholer self. And also, you know, if you're skeptical about assessments, take what you want from it. You know, take the assessment, kind of sift through it, figure out what resonates, throw out the stuff that doesn't resonate. Just because you get a certain result, it doesn't mean that you have to 100% wholeheartedly say, yes, this is me. Talk about it with a coach. Talk about it with your personal board of directors, your trusted friends, your mentors. And, you know, if there's pieces of it that you feel like, yeah, this doesn't describe me that well, then you know what? That's OK. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When, when we when I go to prep somebody to, to initially go through their integrative Enneagram nine report, it's like, look, not all of this is going to be accurately true about you. you know? right. and, and as long as we verify that your type is correct, then let's like keep what we need to and get rid of the rest. Um, so also I thought of, uh, five love languages, um, Colby K O L B E is another one. That's, that's, that's really good. And, you know, ultimately Jamie's probably going to talk a little bit more about this uh, later, but, you know, imagine, you imagine like you're sitting in a safe place and you're peaceful, you're at a hundred percent peace and love shows up to you. True, pure love shows up to you and You know, imagine the fears that you're, you're holding onto the things that are keeping you up at night are concerning you right now. And you envision them in your hands. What do they sound like? What do they look like? How do they feel? Are they heavy? Are they light? And you give that to love. And what does love do with that? And what does it give you in return? And who does love say you are? Right I've done that uh exercise myself, led people through it, and Jamie's done it thousands of times and it's fascinating the things that happen when you go through that type of exercise and what happens to the fears and worries that you have and the the similarities that people have around what happens and you know if if you can get in touch with true um Pure love and that reflects back to you who you are. That's probably a good starting place to say, okay, what is that identity? And then the last thing I'll say is, is community is going to be really important to understanding who you are. The people that know you best are able to reflect you back to you. And usually when I'm, when we're um, authenticating or validating an Enneagram assessment, I'll say, Hey, show this to your partner, or your spouse and just see what they say. Do they say it's true or not? And, you know, have them help in that process because a lot of times, especially with Enneagram, there's this eek factor like, oh, I don't really like that. And I want to deny that. I want to be this one, not that one. I don't like this one, but it's probably true that it is. And then your spouse could verify it, right? Right. So, all right. Uh, Anything else that that you, oh, I'll say this too. Look, I'd love to offer you a one, one. Here's steps one through five. You find your identity on step five. But I'm gonna be honest. Don't if somebody tells you that, I would question how accurate and um, how good. I mean, I'm. It, it will help you uncover some things, but your identity pathway and journey is really yours. And there are things you can do to help uncover that. And yet, you know, it, it's there's no one to five steps, one to five to that. Would you agree? Yeah. There's no
0: one size fits all. There's no prescribed journey. I think the most important thing in the whole process is to be curious and to have a desire to want to know yourself and to be committed to uncovering that and to growing both. So you can show up as a leader and so you can show up as your best possible self for the people in your life. So, we're at that
1: time. We're going to uh, offer a challenge to you. I'm going to offer it. Uh, so one of the ways that you can actually really kind of get to know your identity and what you operate from is your core values. What are those few values that no matter what are non-negotiable? And one of the best ways to, to do that is to start with a list of values and narrow it down from around 150 to 200 values all the way down to your top five, if you can. Uh, and I know People listening won't be able to see this, but I've got mine right here. It's a little washed out, but I've got my top uh, eight uh, right on my desk, and that is incredibly helpful to understand who are you. Because when you understand, hey, you know, family is one of my top values. Being with them, both quality and quantity of time, that's part of who I am. I'm not going to violate that. That's going to help me make decisions around what I say yes or no to and what involvement. So that'll be on our website. Go ahead and, and check that out at theoverflowinglife.com, and please. As always, connect with us on Instagram or email us your questions, and we would love to get those. Uh, Any last parting thoughts, Adrian? You did great, Chris. (laughs) So did you. I appreciate having you as a partner. All right, y'all. Until next time. In our next episode, we have an amazing conversation with Jamie Winship, a man who's dedicated his life to untangling the complex knots of human identity and conflict through his transformative identity exchange method. Jamie brings his rich background in law enforcement and his vast experience in conflict zones around the world to share how understanding our true identity can lead to profound learning, creativity, and societal reconciliation. We explore his approach to identity transformation, his deep insights into leadership, and the power of living fearlessly. Join us for a conversation that promises to not just be enlightening, but truly liberating. Here's a quick preview. So when we're talking to coaches... Who have who have been in a position for a long time and they're well known and they lose that position they if they think their identity comes from being an nfl coach i mean you're basically plunging into an abyss if you if a player thinks his identity is an nfl player and you that career ends which it's going to you're lost but same for a salesperson or a police officer if you get your identity from what you do what you have and what people think about you you're going to be bouncing around in life in a ton of anxiety and fear and constant concern about, am I making it? Am I doing it? Thank you so much for tuning in to The Overflowing Life. If our message struck a chord with you, please subscribe and connect with us. Share your thoughts, questions, and stories with us on Instagram at the Overflowing Life, or visit TheOverflowingLife.com. And if you're looking for coaching that helps you create an overflowing life, please reach out to us. We'd love to partner with you. See you next week.